minute a lad had asked me for a ticket, he'd go into the book. He could have 50, 60, 70 requests. They would look the man be there and we kind of went through the list of who served the most. It could be a lot of lads texting. OTB AM, live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. The News Round on Off The Ball. With Gillette, for an effortless finish to your day. New Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. This is News Talk. And then you're welcome along. So it's a Wednesday evening here in the show. Brian O'Driscoll with us after 8 o'clock to talk all things Leinster at the weekend and New Zealand tour for Ireland. We will have brilliant golf writer John Hogan with us to preview the US Open. Gets underway tomorrow at Brookline. Been a hell of a build-up. The Live Golf crew versus the good guys is the general sense of things over in Boston. So John Hogan with us, half past seven. And then maybe you're a Troy Parrott man. Maybe you're an Obafemi man. Maybe you're a Nathan Collins man. But either way, the Irish goal of the season is no longer the grimmest affair in world sport after a very good result last night. So Dan McDonald with us after nine. We have Jonathan Wilson as well because Gareth Southgate on the end of You Don't Know What You're Doing on Sacked in the Morning Chance at Molyneux. They weren't happy with uh, Hungary 4, England nil on English soil. Michael McCarthy here in the studio, hello. Hey Joe. And Richard McCormack, hello to you. Joseph Malloy, good evening. Hey, England 4-0. Out of nowhere last night when we were watching Twinkle Toad Collins do his thing. Yeah. We were kind of following it a little bit. We were like, geez, England are losing to Hungary again. Yeah. And then it was like, someone came in and it was like, it's 2-0. And then, then we kind of got in, like we were doing, we were talking to Vinny and we were getting like properly into the Ireland game and all our analysis on it. And then I think one of the lads came in, lads, did you, did you hear that England lost 4-0? <laughs> yeah. And it just felt surreal. It just felt, I was like, they're playing hungry. Like, we can talk about meaningless fixtures and we can talk about who they had out and everything like that. I don't think it should be underestimated that they were playing hungry. They're not a good side. I know they, they, they have had a good run to get them to League run, A yeah. in the first place, but, you know, we saw them at the Euros. They're... they're, they're no great shakes. <laughs> I was going to say they're weak <laughs> enough, you know. Good for a hungry team, not necessarily on the we should be winning a World Cup England band, uh, you know, bandwagon-style uh, belief that would be there. They shouldn't be on their level. Well, the fallout's very interesting in that Southgate seems to have no credit in the bank. And Jonathan Wilson will talk to us about this in the football show. There is certainly a quotient of the English fans who don't love Southgate's footy-duddy liberal uh, politicking and yeah. Black Lives Matter and all these kind of things. And then, so they've been maybe uh, waiting in the long grass or certainly giving him uh, a short leash. And then there's the, to be honest, it seems a lot of former pundits as well. I was listening to a lot of talk sport today and a lot of former players. Him. I know, admittedly, talk sport's going to be the more reactive of the, um, the outlets, I suppose. But still, a lot of former players saying... Like is Southgate the right man for the job and doesn't know we're not so sure he doesn't know what he's doing and his innate conservatism is killing England etc and the innate conservatism conservatism seems to be the big issue with the English fans en masse but uh, I still would have thought he would have had more credit in the bank two games in September and then uh, Qatar is upon him so it's a uh, bad timing to say the least And but, but it, like again 12 months on from a very very good effort and could so easily have won the Euros and this was a second string England side it seems he's given no latitude for the fact that this was uh, like a C team if you broaden this out though not just uh, looking at England but for a certain amount of League A teams and I'm talking about Italy I'm talking about France here as well they've had exceptionally bad 
uh, June. So like their last week and a half has been awful. There's a couple of things kind of play into that. The fact that they've obviously played just like a, an insane amount of fixtures, 60 yeah. odd fixtures per squad, I guess, is, is huge. And secondly, they don't have to approach the Nations League in the same way that we do. I mean, they would look at the Nations League. Uh, sorry, we'd look at the Nations League in terms of the way Stephen Kenny approached it, saying we want to win this because we want to qualify directly for the Euros. And this is a means to do that. Whereas your France, your England, your Germany, Italy, etc., they know whatever group they're going to land in for qualifying for the next tournament, they're probably going to win it anyway. Yeah. So these things are just, uh, they are the friendlies that they're just taking the place of. Like the results aren't good and they need rectifying. But it plays into the fact that I think we're going to have a very, very strange World Cup in November, December because none of these teams are in any kind of form and you're looking at probably a bolter from South America who, who can go on and win it and it's probably you know nicely set for Brazil to go and win this tournament but it's not just England have had a bad week like France have had an appalling week Italy have had an appalling week and they've fallen off cliffs badly since yeah. the Euros in each of their cases since last year Yeah well we'll talk to Jonathan Wilson in some respects I find the lack of latitude given the most interesting aspect Football Joe UK had a survey today 4,800 votes 54% of English fans want Southgate sacked. <laughs> <laughs> they want Graham Potter in. That's honestly, Asked. honestly, talk sport today was a wash with, are you seeing the football <laughs> Brightoner played? If we had Potter with Harry Kane, we'd be unbeatable. Oh, God. See, I, I do think that we're in a, there's a collection of English players. Their league is now undoubtedly the best in the world. Those who are prospering enough to make the England team are at a level that we probably haven't seen before from an English team, at least in a way that we can't question as we might have before. Yeah. You know, how would they get on in Serie A or La Liga or whatever? That's all gone. There's definitely a sense of, you know, I think Ireland might have had it in one or two teams I think there was an argument all the way through the Jack Charlton era. This is the best group of players we're ever going to have. We could do it so much better. Yeah. We might not even get any further, but we could get this far and do it better. Whether you agree with that or not is another thing, but I can see where people are coming from on it. I have to say, though, the biggest takeaway for me is that as somebody who, and it's not in this kind of like immature Irish, I hate the English way or whatever, I've just always enjoyed rooting against the English football team in, in, in many ways just as a we've always been crap you go to tournaments we're not there not England not winning is the team I'm shouting for if you know what I mean it's been kind of annoying for the last four or five years that they've been so competent and because of the way Southgate is they're not like making mad mess ups no. I was going to say a different word there they're, and, um, they're, they're quite, they're quite likeable as well I mean it's hard to be too down on a team that are taking on this ugly awful yeah. Tory government yeah. you know, Pretty Patel and gang are saying how dare you take a knee before a match and they're doing it anyway it's happening during tournaments show yeah. which is making me kind of on one take going I really hope Germany beat them and on, on second says well done well yeah. done Gareth Southgate and all the boys um, so it, that, that's been really kind of like just messed up with my equilibrium so seeing a calamity and yeah. seeing um, Southgate being told he doesn't know what he's doing it just makes me feel at home The big change as a final thought on this before we get too exercised about England here at <laughs> 10 past 7 of a Wednesday evening the big change from when he took over when England were really in the mire is that he came in and he steadied the ship and he and he and it was a fairly conservative style of play but it was effective and, and there was a feel good factor off the pitch as well whereas now even the bench last night had Grealish, Rice, Mount and Foden. The bench, Grealish, Rice, Mount and Foden. That'll be the backbone of any World Cup winning side with potentially the right manager. There's now a sense that, well, the days of his innate conservatism are holding this brilliant once-in-a-lifetime generation back. Whereas Southgate's argument is 
Look at Portugal winners of Euro 2016. Look at France winners of the World Cup in 18. Probably Italy to a slightly lesser extent last year. But conservative, well-organised football is the way to win international tournaments. Knockout football, one or two really tough games. Be defensively sound. Like, I see what you're doing, Trent Alexander-Arnold, over the course of a season. And over the course of a season, the good outweighs the bad. But in a Champions League final, your one mistake might not give me time to rectify. He's really unlucky in the you know international manager you take what you're given and he's come across this golden crop of players that better than I think they've probably ever had but they're all from you know number seven up in the team yeah. their best defender at the moment John you Stones. could arguably say is John Stones oh he is and as, as good like John Stones is definitely underrated by some of the kind of fun we've had with him over the years but he shouldn't be the best defender in a World Cup winning team. But you know what? They're so toxic as well, booing Harry Maguire a few weeks back. Yeah. No wonder the guy's confidence is And shit. last night. Oh, did they? And last night. See, yeah, he was like, coming on at one point last night and, and the boos like, were really vociferous. Yeah. Mm. I think it was when they'd found themselves... I think they were 3-0 down at this point. Uh, but Maguire was being sent on for, I think, a midfielder. I can't remember who. Um, but they, again, rained down the boos from, from Mol- like Molyneux. Well, you'd want them to fall flat on their face for the fans then, wouldn't you? Whatever about the team, yeah. which seemed like a lot of... We should, or uh, do be- you? Do you want them to succeed because the fans are being so awful towards them? Yeah, but those fans are going to be happy if they win, regardless. Don't, don't those fans happy? I don't want anyone. I don't want that guy who stuck the the firecracker up his bum to necessarily have any joy in life. Well, well, not him particularly. I don't think. I, the, I, the, I suspect don't he's think not what he represented. I wouldn't worry about it. I don't think there's much joy there. Uh, anyone who's booing Harry Maguire in an England jersey is just a little bit grim. Uh, lads, I dislike English football fans so much. I think I want Southgate to be successful. I've never been so confused in my life, says Kieran. And gents, after watching the matches last night, I had a dream about England being knocked out on penos by lads in white tops and black shorts. The England yips are underway already, says John Limerick. Before we press on, and uh, we must do, because John Hogan is waiting patiently to preview the US Open for us. I got, you know, that's a, it's like Pavlov's dog thing. I looked at Richie there on the screen and honestly, I smelt vomit. I smelt the night link. That's just me, Joe. That's, that's so, just the uh, regular smell I'd bring into the studio. Uh, Bohemians Football Club have released their latest hipster jersey. And yeah. they have gone for, and if you're outside of Dublin, this will not kind of have the same, it won't prompt the same visceral reaction, yeah. visceral reaction for many of us. The design, that, that old, I don't think it's still there now, but that old design of a Dublin bus seat. seat. Yeah. So it looks like Richie has uh, taken the fabric of a Dublin bus seat and wrapped it around himself and stuck on a Bose crest. But that is their new jersey. I it have to, it's, a, it's a Raphael Cup jersey, yeah. I have to say, it's kind of a cool idea and it's of the city. It's not the prettiest thing I've ever seen. Uh, it, it, it works. And to be honest with you, like it, there's obviously a good cause attached to this as well because 10% of the profits are going to be going to shout out and to LGBT Ireland and given the week that uh, well, you, a certain part of that group has you had. You hit me with charity if I'm criticising the jersey. I didn't know that. Char- charity, Joe. Charity all the way. So yeah, given the week that uh, a certain uh, tranche of that uh, uh, community has had in the public and in the press, uh, it's probably a worthy cause to be highlighting today. Another example of Bohemians trying to claim Dublin City for themselves as well. You know, the only club in Dublin, they take all the all the hallmarks of are, the city. Are they changing their name to Dublin City? <laughs> no, Roddy and Co had that sewn up back in the day with when they were signing, signing Carlton Palmer and, and F. McCoke <laughs> over from England. They were we heady do, we days. We should do a piece of that something. Yeah, oh, God, I'd love to. Roddy on I, was, I, was on, I was on the plane behind Roddy. I was coming back from Reading Festival in 04 when he was after being over in England on one of his trips to sign Carlton Palmer uh, back in the day. Carlton Good Palmer. times. <laughs> How has the New Jersey gone down with the Bows fraternity? Uh, given the results so far this season, 
uh, which have of course been middling to to not great. Um, there, there's a, there's a certain cohort who are like concentrate on results, get things right in the pitch, will you? But Anton, that raises the profile of a league of Ireland club, whether it's ourselves, Drogheda, Galway, uh, Treaty United, whoever. It's like it's a good thing. And Dublin bus indeed. I mean, you, you go to Dayton and, yeah, and you, yeah. come, you come away with just this nagging sense that you need to catch the bus for some reason. Uh, the news round is brought to you at Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. I would think not a bad thing in life to be 20-year-old Gavin Bazuna. No, he's having a medical or indeed probably has had a medical at this stage at Southampton ahead of a 14 million euro move from Manchester City. The Republic of Ireland goalkeeper has already agreed terms with the Premier League club and will provide competition for Alex McCarthy. Bazuni spent last season on loan at Saints rivals Portsmouth and was voted on the League One team of the year by his fellow pros. City have inserted a buyback clause into that deal, according to The Athletic. Mm. Fraser Forrester has moved on on a free to Spurs, so there is definitely a vacancy there at number one. This is an amazing move. Yeah, it's. I was trying to go through Premier League teams as well as to who might suit best, and you feel like Gavin Mizuno can beat out Alex McCarthy, and you would think he's in the driver's seat for it, given the amount of money that they've spent on him. You know, there's always going to be a lack of trust, I think, in a young guy who hasn't been in the club, no matter what his CV is or no matter what the reports are on him. Um, so I always kind of feared that like someone would sign him, whack him on the bench, and eventually he would get his chance in the League Cup and be so good that he would get through. Because we do, I think, all believe that Bazunu is like as good as it gets really or has the potential to be as good as it gets but I think he's got like you know he's gone straight into a team a comfortable Premier League team here who aren't going anywhere you know <laughs> and can have two three really good years in the high, the biggest shop window there is and maybe it's back to Man City then or maybe it's to somewhere even bigger you know yeah, it's brilliant per- perfect move great timing Stephen Kenny Rich yeah, he says he's pleased with the response of his squad after a disappointing start to their Nations League window. Nathan Collins' superb solo goal, the highlight of a one-all draw with Ukraine in Woods last night. Ireland end the window third in the group with four points to their name ahead of September dates with Scotland and Armenia. Last night's result was achieved with a largely second-string defence, something which, speaking to FAI TV, delighted Kenny in particular. You know, we, we need that real, real competition for place. I think it's very important. And uh, for us to improve, we have to... Uh, <laughs> You know, we have to strive to improve. We, it was a good performance. We want even more, you know, and that's certainly what we want. And considering the start we had, it was a good response from the players. Winning and beating Scotland three 0 and coming here and putting in a good, strong performance. So, um, you know, so, you know, um, well done. Well done. Well done, Jeff. Uh, Don McDonald later on in the football <laughs> show of the Nathan Collins, Troy Parrott, ah, Michael Obafemi trio. What is Michael? McCarthy's vote for goal of the season I think my favourite is Parrot still I still feel like I'm on an island with Obafemi's been more than just a bang into the goal I still think there was there was a brilliant goal yeah. in every way and I think it's a it's a very close second or third here um, Collins is Collins I thought was rewarded for a brilliant bit of initiative in cutting out the ball mm then continuing to go and then I thought he got lucky and then the finish was perfect Yeah. so I thought there was just that bit of luck in the middle there that he needed and deserved I've seen but it just takes slightly away from it for uh, me but I've that fit, it was so exciting I know it was amazing <laughs> I've seen people suggest he tried to chop the ball onto his knee which he didn't 
No, you, no, no was, just don't, that was you bad don't, pitch, and you know, did well to react to it. I think he reacted with his left knee, but you don't try and chop it onto your knee. No, you certainly don't. That's Why would you do that? No, so he's already having like this insane run where he's bursting through at 100 miles an hour. I don't think you're trying that right there. Honestly, you know? people are saying this. Ah, people say a lot of things. Well, okay. Uh, I mean, he's already <laughs> indeed they do, Michael. He's, he, I mean, what, what John? So he's, he's kind of made a, a bit of his like his uh, trademark move to nip in in front of player and, and take the ball away and what was so pleasing about last night's one was he spotted really quickly and really early that uh, the Ukrainian player wasn't tuned into the pass that was coming so he he burst forward about 15 yards it was an amazing like it wasn't just a, I'm going to nip in last minute mm. ahead of you he ran 15 yards anticipated the pass well in advance and then he because he was already moving at pace he was like well I'm going to keep going and as you said here it, it opens up and the chop is good and I think he reacts brilliantly with the left knee and then if you think to yourself and I'll make this point with, with Dan later on. This is the first time in Nathan Collins' life in an Ireland jersey he's in the opposition box with the ball at his feet. The first time in his life. Now, what do we all do in that instance? We crap ourselves and we make a mess of it. Whereas, like, the composure for him to weigh up the angles nicely, see the keeper where it was, where he was, and he just manipulates his body beautifully balanced to make the execution of the outside of the boot finish easy. Like for someone of his calibre, it was a routine outside of the boot. Yeah. Slide it in there. You know, like the logical thing to do there is to whack your foot through it. Give it a smack. And if it goes in, great. Yeah. And if not, ah, nobody's going to really remember it anyway. You know, but just he had way more composure than that. Composure. So impressive. So impressive. Like. And uh, and the shot of Malumbi on his kind of, with his, he's, he's benched over behind and one of the other defenders watching and kind of crouching down to see how it's playing out. And then the roar from all of them and I think Parrot's in the shot as well it's from behind the Irish goal and you just think man these are all kids like this is the greatest time of their life and like they're buzzing this young team are doing this thing together despite all the noise that's on the outside they, they have a manager that really believes in them and there's a good thing going on there on the inside and I can only imagine that must be ecstasy for all of them it's it beautiful leads, it leads perfectly into what you know the clip was playing there about this being a second choice largely second string defence and we talked about it last night that I think a texter said that like I think of everyone who started in the back six uh, in the the previous games uh, in March only James McLean has survived but you know I wonder how long that is a second string for yeah. You know what I mean? You can see Darrow Shea really growing into it as well. And he's back. He had a terrible injury that kind of curtailed him. You know, Amabamadeli is still to come back. We've got Nathan Collins now is not going anywhere. He's what he's first choice in that defence now, you'd have to say. Yeah. You know, there's so much... Um, you know, this it, it's been a blessing in disguise almost to have a bit of a kind of an injury suspension. I know. Uh, pregnancy crisis, whatever it's been over the last few days. Rich, what's your? I, sorry, I, I think I've talked. I have talked myself today into Nathan Collins. Last night, I still was in the Troy Parrot goal bandwagon. That was my favourite. We've talked a good bit about that goal and why we love it yeah. as well. I, that, I, none yeah. of that is diminished by Nathan Collins. Yeah, goal. I think. I think just the. I think Collins is for me. Yeah, the sense of adventure. Yeah, that's yeah. Fair. The the fact that if he was if he was playing under Trapattoni or O'Neill or McCarthy, he would be out of the squad for the next three games for having ventured into the opposition half. Yeah. Like, it's just, like, and the composure on top of everything else. Did yeah. Mark the control Lawrence of the ball, and, even with a sorry. poor pitch. Lawrence is a perfect Scotland. example of somebody who could do that. Scott, yeah. like, it, yeah. that, well, Lawrence was playing him in field, I think, that night. Of course so he was, because he was too good a footballer yeah. for Jack Charlton to play him in defence. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. I think he was playing. He was either playing right full or he was playing the midfield that night. Ronald Ronnie was on the left, but yeah, like that. It, it's just it, it's fantastic. And it shows the confidence that is 
coursing through a lot of those players at the minute mm. within the confines of that squad to think that yeah I can take this on yeah I can nip in and, and dispossess this guy here and take it on another 15-20 yards and see where that leads me and I do have the composure when I get into the box to put that finish together it, like that that speaks volumes of what has been I, I guess formulated by Kenny and Keith Andrews and John Eustace now on the training ground yeah over the past 18 months it's brilliant a lot of players I mean, what's our best team I don't, I don't know, know that's a very good question and that's I think that's what's been it's you know that's more open now than it's ever been after this uh, window yeah. because of the way the injuries have gone and everything else I also think you know we should mention that Ireland played very well last night for 90 minutes or close to it Yeah, you know it's a tough away game Ukraine were going for it mm. you know uh, they had an exciting players and I just thought that we we didn't wilt. We didn't feel like we were hanging on at the end. They had the chances, we had chances. We played yeah. the ball. We didn't we didn't go into our shells. We just kept up the performance. And that was the, the notion most of an away game to me. The notion of an away game is a bad thing and something that you need to be extra cautious of where that existed under previous managers is thankfully gone because it's a nonsense. Like it's a game of football over 90 minutes and like without wanting to use a John Giles-ism, you're judged on, you take each game on its merits. Like you don't play the crowd, you don't play the, the occasion and they're not doing that. They're going away from home and playing pretty well and like it hasn't been an isolated case look at what they did over in Faro against Portugal they deserve to win that game that's against Portugal and last night as well they should have taken three points and that's the nice conversation to be having is that you know that should have been three points against a rather handy Ukraine side yeah crucially for me the energy was just up again they didn't drop off like they did Ukraine at home it was it was tough for Ukraine on the ball are tougher and the likes of Malumbi biting and McLean biting. So it, it married the two really, uh, the playing the football, but also those traditional Irish qualities that we have. So Dan McDonnell on the way after nine o'clock. Jonathan Wilson as well, as mentioned, talking England and Hungary. Brian O'Driscoll is with us after eight and we'll preview the US Open this hour. Rich, a few more stories. So uh, recall for Stephanie Roach. Yeah, first call up in three years for the P-Men striker. She's included in Vera Pau's squad for their upcoming World Cup qualifier with Georgia. Diane Caldwell also returns after injury and is the first ever call up for Durham goalkeeper Nisha McAloon. No relation to Paddy, apparently. Ireland play the Philippines in a warm-up friendly in Turkey on Sunday. And Roisin Nirian this evening claimed a second bronze medal at the World Paris Swimming Championships in Madeira. The Limerick teenager placed third in the final of the 100-metre backstroke S13. Nirian snatched bronze by just 11 hundredths of a second, adding to a medal of the same colour in the 100 metre butterfly S13 on Sunday it's Ireland's third medal of the games following another bronze for Nicole Turner yesterday Turner's got another three or four events as well to come so fingers crossed more medals for Ireland in Madeira uh, Graeme has treated me to say lads I have two golf weeklies to listen to so I'll be passing on tonight's show cool. Graeme you're my kind of guy you're my kind of guy Graeme two we've golf got golf weeklies. too yeah, we do. John Hogan on the way. Stick around for stick around till eight o'clock anyway. Twenty more minutes and some more golf going your way. And nobody's turning off Brian O'Driscoll for Golf Weekly, are they? Golf Weekly fans are. <laughs> uh, Peter Laurie. So yesterday was like, uh, let's reflect on the wildest week in golf, live golf, all that stuff. And McElroy winning the Canadian Open podcast. This was the U.S. Open preview. Okay. Shane Larry come up early doors. Peter Laurie, not prone to hyperbole or overhyping players, said Shane Larry will not finish worse than third. Wow. Yeah, got me excited. Yeah, Brookline suit him. Brookline suits him, US Open suits him, general uh, form line suits him. Uh, the second smallest greens in major championship history. So small targets here, but that's okay for Larry and he's got beautiful short game anyway if he does miss the green. Uh, the one nagging concern uh, Peter had is that he's been drawn with 
the bad boys, Phil Mickelson and Louis Westhausen. Ooh. So there is the worry of the a boozy circus there around them. Not so much. They'll be fine. They'll be chatting away. There'll be no big deal. But uh, Phil could potentially be a magnet for boozed up crowd to you know it could just become a circus I think Phil would have a lot of support in the crowd if you're going to ask me golf fans in America it, I don't think they're I don't think they're as uh, anti-Saudi Arabia as you might think the 9-11 thing has the 9 played thing. badly yeah. I still think golf fans will, I, th- I think there will be a <clears throat> uh, determination almost not to let the noise get in mm. over their support of Phil you could well be right he got a very good reception at the practice day yesterday Genteel rounds of applause. Yeah. But slight difference with boozed up Boston crowd when it gets going. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a good point. Brookline, of course, 1999 Ryder Cup. Uh, boozed up Boston crowd. Boozed up, <laughs> acting boozed up American players, as we all remember. Yeah, uh, yeah. Justin Leonard's not playing in this one, is he? I don't think so. <laughs> no. Good. Good. There's some people turned up. There was, a, there was a tweet from, I think it was USGA or one of the golf uh, channels tweeted, people have that uh, frame jersey thing that they had on uh, for the singles in 99 uh, that weird shirt that the US Ryder Cup team were wearing the man the says a few of them the weird shirt now. oh yeah you, you wouldn't be a fan of those no weren't for charity Joe the US Ryder Cup team would, would not wear that thing that you have on there the 99 US Ryder Cup team would say nah that's enough that's too far I, 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 I could probably say other things about the US Ryder Cup team that probably won't allow me on air for next week but that's another story so uh, John Hogan is on the way half past seven anyway he'll preview the uh, US Open gets underway anything else you want to bring us Rich? Uh, Shamrock Rovers they face a stern test in the second qualifying round of the Champions League if they beat Hibernians of Malta in the first Bulgarian champions Ludogrets or Suchewska of Montenegro await if they get through and a date with Motherwell could await Sligar Rovers in the Europa Conference League if the Bitter Reds see off Town of Wales in the first qualifying round uh, tough one for St. Pat's as well they'll play Spuntu Gjorge of Moldova or the Slovenian side Mura in the second qualifying round the Saints went into the second qualifying round due to the exclusion of Russian club from the competition and if Derry get past Riga they'll play either MFK Rosombarok of Slovakia or FK Kauno Zalagiris of Lithuania There's Richie Zimro uh, in the bag anyway sports sports broadcaster of the year after that paragraph well done Nice pronunciations First round of Wimbledon still to come in a couple of weeks time Mick Yeah Cracking me knuckles for that one <laughs> That's the gauntlet Oh uh, Fellas we are out of time I'm afraid to say so we'll have to park it there Richie McCormick thanks very much Nice lad. I'm Michael McCarthy. Thank you. Cheers, lads.